Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning. I want to thank you for coming to church this morning. And, um, you know, I, I tell people in, in uh, we moved from Texas and, and some of my pastor friends are like, you know, planning a church. There's so many churches and there's so much competition. I'm like, number one, other churches are not our competition. We are in the kingdom of God together. But if you, yeah, yeah, come on, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Even church is chicken. Come on, that's, that's kingdom. And so, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You're missing out. Church is chicken. But I said, even if you want to look at it that way as competition, I said, you know what our competition is in California? Uh, hello, the beach. Hello, Disneyland. Hello, Legoland. Hello, Knott's Berry Farm, right? And uh, all of those things. And so I said, all of those things are competing for people's time. And I'm always grateful that you chose today to come to the house of God. And I really believe that a heart for God always translates into a heart for his house. I just do. And uh, you can't love God and tell me you don't love his house. Um, and David loved God's house. That's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart because it was David that said to God, I'm in here in my palace and you reside in a tent. Here I am in this palace. Let's build a temple for God because he had a heart for the house of God. And I'm telling you again that the heart for God always translates into a heart for his house. And so um, I'm just always grateful that God's people come together. And I believe it's going to be worth your time. I believe that you're going to be encouraged. And this morning, we are going to continue in this series that we've simply entitled The Catalyst. And what we're doing is we're just doing a detailed study, an in-depth study on how the Holy Spirit works. And uh, I think sometimes we have reduced in the church the Holy Spirit to a goosebump. Ooh, I got the goosebump. Well, maybe that's just the air conditioner. How I many you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, or, you know, oh, grandma's leg shaking. I think the Holy Spirit's moving. Oh, look at grandma. Yeah, there, there she goes. Oh, Holy Spirit is here. Well, maybe just grandma's wiggling it just a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and, but that, that, is that the Holy Spirit? And a lot of us come to a church and maybe you didn't really know about the Holy Spirit. And, or maybe you came to a, you went to a church where, I mean, they just were wild every Sunday. Why? And, and, and I know people that they've had horrible experiences in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to do is we want to clarify what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And I think as a believer, it's vital that you know who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in your life, right? Why? So we can cooperate with him. We want to cooperate with him. I've lived a lot of my life where I didn't cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and it was the worst years of my life, the worst years of my life. But I picked this word catalyst because a catalyst, the definition in Webster's, is a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction action without itself undergoing any permanent chemical change. In other words, it's a person or thing that precipitates an event. In other words, a catalyst comes in and gets things moving. A catalyst will come in and change, listen, can change a person or powers without it being changed itself. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's holy. We're not, we're not perfect. He's perfect. And he can come in and make a change. And I say that because some people, and maybe you're new to church and you're like, man, I, I'm so broken. God doesn't want me. I'm so sinful. This is what the catalyst does. He can come into your life and change you 
but not be changed himself. He can bring his holiness into an unholy life and still stay holy. Come on, somebody, this morning. That's the catalyst. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He sets in motion a chain of events. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to move us from where we are, right, into where God wants us to be. Last week, we started in part one, and let me just encourage you. I know sometimes you have to miss church. I understand that. But look, go on the app. It's free, and follow along. Follow along. We do series. Why? Because we feel like every message is like a chapter in the book, and I don't want you to miss a chapter. But last week, we talked about how even in the beginning, you see the Spirit of God, and what is he doing? He's moving. The Holy Spirit is always moving. Come on. He likes to move it, move it. All right. So anyway, he's moving in our midst, always moving. Today, he's moving right now. He's moving. And here's what he's going to do. We learned last week. He's going to empower us to live the mission that God has for us. And Jesus said, this is what we titled last week's message, the cause in because. Jesus said, he said, the Holy Spirit is upon me because and we outline those. But today, let's talk about knowing the comforter. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. As you're turning there this morning, Jesus is having the Last Supper. A lot of things are happening at the Last Supper. And he's sitting down. He's talking with his disciples. They have followed him. And little did they know what was coming their way. Jesus was going to tell them about the future. Jesus was going to tell them that his best friend, one of his best friends, is going to betray him. And all these things. And so he begins to talk about what life is going to be life when he ascends back into heaven. John chapter 14. Actually... You know what, let's start reading in verse 12. It says this, Verily, verily, Jesus is talking, I say unto you, he that believeth. Now, who is this about? He that what? Believeth. Are you a believer? How do I believe? You make a simple decision to believe. That, that it's not that hard. It just make it simple. He says, watch this. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Who is that he? That he is who? He that believes. It's not this certain sect of perfect people. It's the people that believe. See, if you believe right, you'll live right. If you'll believe right, you'll live right. If you believe wrong, you will live wrong. It's, so I've got to readjust my believing because Jesus is telling the disciples, also telling us. Why? Because we're believers. He's saying this. He says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And what? Greater works then these shall he do. Jesus is telling us that as believers, he is going to ascend to heaven and that we as believers are going to do greater works. Wow, man, that, that, that's empowering words. Can I ask you a question? Is your life about greater works or just a 40-hour work week? Because if your life is just about a 40 to 60 hour work week, your life is very mundane and you're not living for a purpose. That's why people get depressed. That's why people get sad. Because for us as believers, we are supposed to be about a greater work. Come on, somebody. A greater work. Touching people's lives. Doing what Jesus did. And he said, and greater work shall these shall you do because I go to the, my father. Verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now watch this. 
Here again, we see the Trinity. We see what we call the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see it many times in the Bible, all three of them manifesting in different ways, but three in one, right? Jesus is saying, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. They're working together, they're not working differently. Jesus is saying, I wanna glorify my Father, right? Verse 14, and if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus is telling the disciples, look, I'm going to be ascending to heaven. I'm going to be preparing a place for you. Now, why is he talking about another comforter? Well, think about this. For three, three and a half years, Jesus was their comforter. He was their comforter. I mean, just imagine for a moment living your life with Jesus in the flesh, right? Just imagine this. You get hungry. You get hungry. What happens? He feeds you. He gets the loaves and the fishes, multiplies them. Boom, there's your meal, right? You're in a storm, he comes walking over the storm. He calms the storm with his word. You need money to pay taxes, what does he do? He tells you to go to the fish, open the fish's mouth, and there's some coins in there. Come on, somebody. Life with Jesus, I mean, amazing, amazing. And so you're sick, what does he do? He heals you. And so he was telling the disciples, look, I know I'm your comforter but I'm sending another comforter. Now, here's the key. This word another, in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek. This word another means something. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna send you another comforter. And in the Greek, another means this, another like myself. Another like myself. In other words, listen, of equal, but not lesser, not different, Equal quality. This is what that word in the Greek means. Jesus is saying, what I'm doing is I am sending you somebody that's not lesser. Listen, Jesus was not better than the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was not better than Jesus. Actually, they worked together. Look at this scripture, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Here again, you see the Trinity. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and what? Okay, you said that really wimpy to say power. Come on, try that. And what? He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and what? All right, let's try and say it this time like you got some. Ready? Here we go. And he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and what? Power. power. Now you're going to start to see that as we move forward. That power and the Holy Spirit are synonymous. Jesus did the work that he did because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings power. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus were not contradicting each other. They were working together. And I say that to say this, because some of you may be at work. You may have friends that are Jesus only. Jesus only. Uh, we need to look at the word of God. We need to look at the word and what the Bible says about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand we may be afraid of the Holy Spirit because of experiences people have or whatnot, but the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus was anointed, Jesus of Nazareth, anointed by the Holy Spirit, what? With power. So Jesus had the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. So the question becomes, well, who is the comforter? Look at verse 
26. Verse 26. John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is who? It's on the screen. <laughs> but the comforter, which is who? Holy the Holy Ghost. Now, you will see in some translations, it's translated Holy Ghost. Some translations, it's translated Spirit. But really, last week, we talked about how that, the original, in the original language, it was translated breath, the breath of God, right? So now we know that this comforter is the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus was saying, and I don't want you to lose this. He was telling the disciples, look, I'm going to send you another comforter. Jesus was saying this, the Holy Spirit is going to be your comforter, and the Holy Spirit spirit, right, is just like me. He's just like me. Now watch. Why did Jesus have to send the Holy Spirit? Why did God have to send the Holy Spirit? When Jesus was in or on the earth, Jesus took on flesh. He could only be in one place at one time. People are like, well, would you like to see all the miracles that Jesus did be alive during his day? I always tell people, yeah, if you were there, Jesus didn't have a Facebook. That's why some of you wouldn't want to be alive when he was alive. He didn't have a Twitter. He didn't have an Instagram. Listen, Jesus wasn't posting on Facebook. Hey, guys, I'm going to be at this connect group, this life group. And I think, I'm going to just give you a little preview. Some four guys may show up and they may get on the roof and tear the roof apart. Y'all, you need to be there. Oh, okay, let's go. That could be on your GPS a three-day journey if you got there. And, 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 I, and I, 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 I love that, that, that story of those guys and they came, right? But here's the reality. Where Jesus was when he was on the earth, he was at one place at one time. Why? He was in the flesh. So he would send us the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, can be everywhere, all the time, full of power. No matter whether you're here in Marietta or in Africa or in Mexico, no matter what time of the day, the Holy Spirit, this comforter, will always, listen to what Jesus said, he will abide with you forever. There will never be... Be a time in your life that the Holy Spirit will not be with you. He will always be with you forever. I think that's a good word this morning because we're not alone. And what Jesus was saying, disciples, the Holy Spirit, this other comforter, another comforter. Listen, disciples, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come to do what I came to do. You want to know what the father's like? Look at how Jesus walked on the earth. It's all here. I don't know. Does the Father want me healed? Uh, Did you look in there and see if Jesus was healing people? Now listen. Jesus didn't heal everybody. He only healed the people that came to him. He walked through a city and people didn't honor him and he didn't heal them. I just wish Jesus would heal everybody. Me too. But some people don't care. Some people don't value the gift. He walked through his own town, and the Bible says he didn't do many miracles because they looked at him, and they're like, is that Jesus? Hey, that's Joseph's boy. Hey, doesn't your dad own that carpenter's, that furniture shop, Jerome's? I mean, come on. Living space. What, what, I mean, what? That's him. That's doing miracles? That's Joseph's boy. And guess what? Because they didn't honor him, they got nothing from him. And so 
When we want to see what the Father's like, what the Father did was he clothed Jesus in flesh so we could read about what the Father is like because what did Jesus say about him and the Father? He says, we're one. So if I want to know what the Father's like, I look at how Jesus lived. And if I want to look and know what the Holy Spirit is going to do, I can look what Jesus did because Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit came to do what I came to do. And so what's the function of this comforter? This is where we're going to spend the last moments of our time. What, 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 is, what is the function of this comforter? You know, the Greek word for comforter means this, parakletos. Everybody say that with me. Say parakletos. Awesome. I got everybody speaking in tongues. Amen. Parakletos is the Greek word. It means this. Para means the one who comes alongside. Kletos means helper. Right? Para, the one who comes alongside. Ketos, the one who is a helper. Right? So here you have this comforter. Now watch this. As a child of God, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You cannot be a child of God without the Holy Spirit already starting to do a work in your life. The Bible says that we can't even come to the Father unless he draws us. Who's drawing you? Who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit. He's working with you. He's working in our lives, right? And so when we say, Jesus, come into our hearts, why? It's because the Holy Spirit already began to work in your life. Now, watch what Jesus was telling the disciples because you have the Holy Spirit and he was gonna leave them the Holy Spirit. But here's what he was saying. He was saying, listen, guys, listen, disciples, even though I'm gonna ascend to heaven, I'm not gonna leave you without my presence. See, you think my presence is just me here in a physical body, but when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what? You're gonna have my presence and he's gonna be the Holy Spirit my church family, this is great news. You know why? Because you may not physically see Jesus, but his presence is here. Even though he ascended, he didn't leave you without himself. Whoo, this is good preaching. Sorry, I may amen myself. Oh man, preacher white boy. Today, we are not without the presence of God. We're not without the presence of God. He has left you his presence. And here's the thing. I think if we really believe that, if we really believe that today, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me, if we really believe that, we would never be afraid. We would never be afraid. You know what? We would be bold and confident. Wow, you're shouting. You're pretty bold and confident. Because that's the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. He's bold. He's confident. I think if, if we really believe that the presence of God was around us, guess what? We would reject sin. We would reject sin. You know what? I believe that if we really believe, I'm convinced that we have the presence of God in our boat during the storm, we wouldn't fear the storm. Do you remember when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and he was asleep? And I love the Bible because it says he was asleep on a pillow. He was my pillow. Come on, somebody. I hate that commercial. Anyway, so I play it all the time. And he's asleep on it, and he's resting in the storm. The disciples are freaking out. And when I read the Bible, I, don't, I just, I am so animated in my thinking. But the Bible says they woke Jesus up, and he spoke to the storm. And Peter looks at Jesus, and he's like, what kind of person is this? It's like in that moment, Peter was more afraid of Jesus than he was the storm. 
Like, what kind of person do we have in the boat? You have a person in your boat that can calm any storm that's coming into your life. I'm preaching better than you're clapping, I'll tell you that. And you think you got a storm. Oh, let me tell you this. You better know you have a God who is in the boat. But I think if we really believed, come on, that his presence is with us, we'd be bold in prayer. We'd start praying like we knew him. We would be bold in prayer. We'd have a confidence or assurance in our life. And I believe if we really knew that his presence was with us, we would be about greater works that Jesus said that we would do. Jesus said, these, fo- these signs will follow them that believe that you're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Isn't that amazing? That he, I call it life's greatest privilege. People say, I'm working for God. Listen, you're working with God. I'm not just working for, I'm working with him. That when I lay my hands on sick people, the Bible says that they shall recover. Listen, not because of my hands, but because of the presence that's in my life. The presence that's in my life can affect other people's life. Do you know that, um, I, th- I just think this is so powerful because we miss this. I think sometimes as Christians, we're waiting for something to, you know, it's like that John Mayer song. We're just waiting on the world to change. And yet the catalyst is on the inside of us wanting to help us change the world. You know, uh, going back to that, that, that's, that, that, um, Excuse me. Uh, Just going back to that story where these guys, I mean, they saw they saw that Jesus was in a house. They had a friend who was a paralytic, couldn't walk. And the Bible says that they went over to them and four guys picked up their friend, went on the roof and broke the roof. And this is what I was meditating on this the other day. The Bible says this. Jesus saw their faith, not just the paralytic. He saw the four guys' faith. Listen, the four guys' faith affected the faith of their friend. I'm going to say that again. The four guys' faith affected the faith of their friends. Because your faith affects other people. Your life affects other people. That's what I love about this guy sitting right here. I love William. William came up to me the other day and he said, hey, here's my goal. Every week I'm going to bring somebody to church. Somebody new. Some, I, I'm going to bring people to church. And he's doing it. He's doing it every week. I mean, he's bringing people. And he tells me, he's like, I brought these people to church. Blah, blah, blah. And I just think, you know, William, I, I, that just so blesses me. Because I think about the work that God wants to do, these greater works. And here it is, asking people, being influential, asking people to come to church. And you know what? I just pray that God will multiply your influence. I pray that he will just open doors for you that no man can shut. I believe that you just start stepping into new territory and that he will multiply your, your influence. And why am I saying that today? Because we think that it's so casual. I just invite a friend. Do you know that those four guys' faith is what caused Jesus to say, I see their faith. And because of their faith, that paralytic guy got up, not only got up and walked, but he got all of his sins forgiven because four guys had faith. Maybe, yeah, come on, we can give the Lord a good round of applause. And we can't discount our faith. We can't discount our faith this morning. And so the comforter, he comes, and this is what he does. He does this work in our lives. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to close with four ways that he works in our lives. Because I think 
Even today, some of you are like, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's working in my life. Can I tell you, he's moving. He is moving in your life. And I want to outline some things so you can kind of start to recognize, wow, that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. He's the comforter. Nobody can comfort you like the Holy Spirit. Listen, nobody can advise you like the Holy Spirit. So let me give you these four ways that he works in our lives. And how did I get this, these four ways? I just looked at the word comforter in the Greek and just outlined that. Number one, here's one of the ways that he works in our lives. The, the word actually means a legal advisor, a legal advisor. It means counsel for defense, your legal assistant. How many of you know that the best time to see a lawyer is before you need to see a lawyer? (laughs) The best time to talk to a lawyer is before you need to talk to a lawyer. Why? So he can give you the advice that you need to protect you when things happen. I'm gonna tell you something, I just think it's hilarious. When we started the church, you know, and, and even when we talk with our leaders in the church and we talk about different things and, you know, it's like we just live in a different day today. It would just be so cool if just people came to church and that the Christians actually acted like Christians, right? That you could leave your pocketbook right there and just think that, oh, well, it's in church, you know? It, I wouldn't leave my pocketbook open in church. I just wouldn't. But in the day that we live in, we, I knew starting our church, I had to talk to a lawyer, about building Passion Life Church. And you know what one of the things that they told me? Get this, I have insurance on my preaching. Do you know that in today's world, I have insurance on my preaching because if I say, go live by faith, and you're like, the pastor said go live by faith. You know what, I'm gonna go sell my house. Uh Uh-oh, nobody bought it. Foreclosure, short sale, it's over. I'm gonna sue that pastor. That on my preaching, today I have insurance. Because in the world that we live in, people are so happy. Now, why am I saying that? Because I went there seeking counsel and wisdom. Here's what the comforter does in your life. He comes to you and he comes to you to let you know how to live your life. Right? Jesus was always telling people, live this way. Don't live that way. Listen, live this way. Live for the kingdom. Right? A legal advisor, what he does is he comes forward on behalf of the representative of another. But let me ask you this. Whose behalf does he come forward for? He's coming forward in your life representing the Godhead. He's coming into your life as this catalyst. And what he's going to do is he's going to begin to show you things. And as we move forward in this series, I'm going to show you some of the things. But here's number two. Here's another way that he works in our lives. It's the literal definition of the comforter. Watch. Number two, he's pleading God's cause with you. He's always the Holy Spirit as he's moving. He's always pleading God's cause in your life. That's why some of you have sometimes this sense of, oh, I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. Why? Oh, oh, I feel like I should do this. I feel like I should do that. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit and the catalyst is coming to your life and he's trying to plead God, God's cause into your life. When you look at Jesus' teaching, how much of Jesus was teaching said this, so is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. What was Jesus doing when he was on the earth? Jesus was always pleading God's cause with people. Always pleading God's cause with people. Some people received it. Their lives were changed, miracles. Other people walked away. 
It's the hardest thing to watch. People walk away. The rich young ruler, Jesus was calling. He said, look, you got one thing in your life. That one thing is controlling everything. You're a materialistic guy. You're holding on to that. Leave that alone. Follow me. Jesus was calling that guy to be a disciple. Do you know that today we don't even know his name? But Jesus was calling him to follow him, and that guy could have written a book in the Bible. That guy could have seen miracles, but you know what? His material possessions was more important to him, but Jesus was pleading the cause. Live for a greater cause than your wealth, because that can all be gone tomorrow. The stock is going up and down. Why don't you live for something that never changes? Come on, he's pleading the cause of Christ, right? And the guy walks away. This is hard, but it, I need to say it. Jesus will let you walk away. He'll let you. Because he's given you free will. But here's what he's going to do. Listen, to the day you die, the Holy Spirit is always pleading God's cause with you. Always pleading God. He never gives up on you. Never gives up on you. He is always pleading God's cause. Now listen, doesn't it make sense? Jesus made this claim. It's a bold claim. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Other people have said on the earth, I am in search of truth. Somebody else said, I know the way of truth. Jesus had the boldness and the audacity to say, I am the truth. So if he says, I am the truth, I am the life, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, doesn't that qualify him to let us know what that abundant life is like? And here's what I've figured out. When I connect my life to the cause of Christ, it's the best life. It's the best life that you can have. Now listen, the Holy Spirit, he's always pleading God's cause. You came into worship today. We're worshiping, right? As we worship, the message, the people around you, what is God doing? He's pleading his cause with you. That's why I encourage you. That's why sometimes we say, just close your eyes. Why are we asking you to close your eyes? So you can close your eyes and be focused on him because why? He's pleading God's cause. I can't tell you how many times people came to a church service, they'll walk up to me afterwards and here's what they said. I was looking for an answer and I heard what I needed to hear today in today's message. You know what happened? The Holy Spirit was pleading the cause of Christ with them. The word was spoken and you know what? They got an answer. That's why it's so important that when we come together, like you need to ask God, what do you want to do in my life, right? But not just come together. Listen, not just to come together to say, hey, what do I get out of this? That's what I love about William and what he's doing. He's not just coming to church for me. He's bringing people along. He's like, I'm coming to church for other people. Listen, those four guys broke the roof, not for themselves. They broke the roof because their friend needed a miracle. And this life is not just about, I don't think I'm going to go to church today. People need your faith. People need your personality. People need your love. Church is not just about you. It's not the me church. It's the we church. Come on, somebody. And the day you stop coming to church for you, you will experience miracles. I don't know what happened. I, I think it was just an overwhelm. Of, uh, it's a power of the Holy Spirit. The day that I got turned on to Jesus, I started coming to church and helping out everywhere. I was helping people. Literally, I would help my dad in the worship. If the drummer didn't show up, I played drums. I learned how to play bass. And then you know what? When we finished, got off the stage, I went back. And then I did kids ministry. And after I got kids ministry, on Friday night, we did youth. Why? Because I knew people needed something 
everything in their life. They needed what I had. They needed Jesus. And you know what? I wanted to help people get there. And I'm going to tell you, if you just come to church for you, you're going to get tired and you're going to get bored. But if you'll start to have and live for Christ's cause and say, you know what? I'm not going for myself. And you know what? Nobody's been hiding me today. Nobody likes me at church. I don't understand. I understand you whine and you complain. Nobody wants to be around you. But you know what? If you decide that you're going to stand up and say, I'm going to come not looking for friends. I'm going to come to be a friend to somebody. I'm going to see who I can hug, who I can love. Your life will radically change in Jesus' name. Let's be that church. Let's be that. Now, I get it. I understand people come. They don't understand. They don't know. But God bless them. If they walk into you smiling, whether there's coffee or not, right, because you have the Holy spirit in your life. And here's what he's doing. He's pleading God's cause to you. Now, he's always pleading God's cause. I want you to hear me because some of you have people in your life who are not saved. And man, that, that gets on your heart and you're praying for them. Do you know that God is even pleading his cause with unbelievers? How do you know that? Because, listen, the Bible talks about the unpardonable sin. And I want to read that to you because <laughs> somebody asked me this the other day. Like, I think I committed the unpardonable sin, right? Well, let's see if you did. Let's look what the word of God says, right? Because even in unbelievers, the Holy Spirit is pleading God's cause. Mark chapter 3 verse 28 says this, I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes, blasphemes the Holy Spirit, listen to these words, will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. This is why the devil can never be forgiven because he sinned in eternity. His sin was in eternity. You and I are walking on this earth. We have people, and here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's pleading the cause of Christ constantly. Now watch. What is blaspheming the Holy Spirit? The blaspheming is the Holy Spirit is when you die, you have made a decision to reject the cause of Christ. So are you dead yet? No. Are you alive? Yes. Do you still have today? Yes. And here's the good news. You're like, wow, Pastor Phil, that's a downer. I'm not real encouraged to came to church today. Actually, here's the good news. For those of us who have people in our lives who don't know Christ, here's the great news. The comforter is pleading with them, pleading with them. He will plead with them until they breathe their last breath. He, this is how merciful God is. Some people ask, someone asked me the other day, they said, well, what do you think? Do you think everybody's gonna have a chance to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior before they die? I said, absolutely. Well, what about these, these people groups in Africa and stuff? Can I just tell you that the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time. He's always pleading God's cause until the day you die. Some people get one opportunity to receive him. Some people don't. Listen, some people get many opportunities and today is your opportunity. Listen, can I just share this real quick story before we go to number three, because I, I feel impressed because this is so serious. You know, I was a youth pastor uh, for 20 something years and we did youth conferences every year. And I would usually open up 
the first night of the youth conference, and then we would have guest speakers. And what was interesting was, I don't know, there was maybe 500 kids there, and we were preaching and all that. And at the end of the night, I gave an altar call, like we will give today. Why? Because we know that the Holy Spirit is pleading God's cause already. That's why I, I had one kid in our youth group always tell me, he's like, Phil, man, you can get anybody saved. Like, I bring my friends, and they're all like, yeah, bro, say. And I'm like, listen, it's not me who saves them, but here's what gives me the confidence to know. When I stand up here, the Holy Spirit is always pleading God's cause. Right now, he's moving in this place. He's moving in people's hearts. This isn't just a little speech, three points in a poem, right? This is, come on, I love when people say, nice speech today. Oh, thank you. I'm running for office. Um, and it was a night of the youth conference, and at the end, I don't usually say this because I don't use fear tactics. I believe the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But I felt in this moment to say, some of you in this room will never get this opportunity again. And I'm gonna give it. Jesus is calling you. And it's time to give your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit is. So we had four or five kids, and I didn't know this till the next night. The next night, I had four kids come up to me. Actually, one of them was a regular attender, and she had brought three of her friends to the, to the, um, to the youth conference that night. And you know what was so interesting is that they came up to me after the second night, and they looked like ghosts. And they're like, we have to tell you. Last night, as we left the conference, we were in a horrible car accident. And all four of her friends said this, Listen, we're so glad that we prayed that prayer last night because we almost didn't make it. But it was only by God's grace that we made it. And I think to myself, life sometimes is so fickle and we think we have all these opportunities. We think, oh, the Bible actually says that you're not promised tomorrow. We plan for tomorrow, but we're not promised tomorrow. And I'm telling you this today, listen, he comes to plead God's cause. And if you have people in your life today that you want to see them saved, thank God for the comforter and say, Holy Spirit, continue to work on their heart. Continue to work on their life. That they won't take their last breath without knowing you. Come on. Come on. Let's give the Holy Spirit a great round of applause because he's working. Can I just share something with you in John 16, 8? This is what the comforter does. Jesus was telling the disciples. And now he was going to ascend to heaven. But he says, when he comes, who's he? The comforter. It says, when he has come, he will convict the world of what? Sin. Now watch this. It's important. So he comes and convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. Watch. And of judgment. Now, he's going to tell us what the sin is. No, it's not. Notice it's not sins with an S. It's sin. Look, and he's going to tell us what the sin is. Verse 9. Of sin, because what? Because they believe not. The Holy Spirit's work in an unbeliever is he's constantly convicting them of their non-belief. Now, to me, that's a simple thing. I went through this. I didn't believe. But I just made a simple decision after life. My life was hell. Can we say hell in church? It's in the Bible. My life was hell. And until I said, I believe, everything changed. Here's the thing. God's not asking you to get on your knees and take a trip, right, to Israel. He's not asking you to do that. You know, all he's asking you to do is believe. And that's a simple decision. He convicts the world of the sin of unbelief constantly. See, to me, that's good news. 
that to know you don't have to do all the labor and the work, just know that he's at work. When God tells you to walk up to somebody at a grocery store and encourage them, just know this, the Holy Spirit is already working in their lives. He's convicting them. Come on, this is a good word today. I don't know if I ever answered this question. I want to answer it so none of you don't freak out. The unpardonable sin is to die and have rejected the work of Jesus. And today, if you've received Jesus in your heart, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You have accepted him. That's what the catalyst does. He's pleading the cause of Christ. Wow, Pastor Phil, that's kind of a downer. I don't know if I'm glad I came to church today. Well, I put that in the middle of the message. Notice I didn't end with the message because that's not the only thing that the, the um, I almost said the catalytic converter. <laughs> that's not the only thing that the catalytic converter does. I'm not even a mechanic. That's so weird. I rebuke you, Satan. Okay. That's not the only thing that the comforter does. The comforter works like this. Here's number three out of the four. He encourages, he exhorts, and he edifies. Would you say that with me? He encourages, he exhorts, and he edifies. One more time. He encourages, he exhorts, and he edifies. Let me, maybe this will help you identify this. Maybe some of you in this room, maybe the sound of, our, of my voice on the podcast, you've gone, you may be going through something right now. You've gone through something. And this is how it works. You start to look at your life and you go, wow, I'm going through something. But is there something wrong with me? Because I'm not as down as I should be. I, I, I'm not. Even some of my friends are like, wow, you should like, you know, let's go out and let's get wasted. I'm, I'm good. I, I know there's stuff going on. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit encouraging you in the moments of your life of tribulation. He doesn't leave you without his presence. Problems are not the absence of peace. Peace is the presence of God. And when you're going through stuff, I'm telling you, he's encouraging you. He's lifting you up. What is he doing? He's exhorting you. The Holy Spirit's encouragement is edifying you even in the midst of your trouble. Listen, if you haven't heard anything that I said or any scriptures that I, listen to this scripture. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Well, the Father of mercies and the God of all what? The God of all what? Look at verse four, write this down. Write a little circle around it. Number verse four, who comforts us in what? Some of our tribulation? All, and some of it, no, in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here we see again the the, the, the catalyst comes to move you to where God wants you to be. He's edifying you and encouraging you. But it's not just for you. He's not only comforting you in every and all tribulation for you to get through, but he's comforting you in all tribulation. Why? So you can now help comfort other people. It's so important that you share your story. And here's the good news. In any tribulation, I have a comforter. In any tribulation, let me take it one step, one step further. God wants you to give what he gives you. How many of you have been comforted by the Holy Spirit at a time in your life? Let me see your hand, raise it up. It's important, all of us. And some people, they neglect themselves like, well, I can't, you know, I just, Pastor Phil, I don't own a microphone, I'm not a preacher. 
Can you share your story of how God comforted you? Because God comforts you so you can help. You can help to comfort other people. And let's look at the last one for today, John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, watch this, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. Here's number four. The comforter will teach you. Now, let me just ask you this question. Because if the answer is no to this question, then the comforter's not going to teach you. Are you teachable? I had one yes. Yes. Everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Here is the tension. Right? Like Bon Jovi sings, it's my life. I'll do what I want. Not teachable. But if you, this is, this is how, the Bible says, that's how dumb I was. I knew it all at 19 years old. Ready to go. I knew it. And I believed that there was no God. You have the all-powerful, immensely knowledgeable genius of God at your disposal to pray to, to ask to, to ask things for, to give you instruction. And he will do that if you are teachable, right? Now watch, here's what he will do. He will teach you. God will speak to your spirit, right? Now, the Bible says that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. God's gonna speak to your spirit, but the Bible says he teaches you, so this affects your mind. So how does it affect my mind if he speaks to my spirit? Let me give you this illustration, right? Some of you right now are experiencing hunger pains, right? Come on, Pastor Phil, you better hurry up. It's lunchtime, right? We, we need to hurry up, you know? Now, let me ask you this. Is your mind hungry? Your mind is telling you you're hungry. Why? Because you get that hunger pain, boom, and it's right instantly, boom, I'm hungry. Well, it's my stomach that's going, right? It's not, it's not my mind, but here's what happened. Instantaneously, I feel this, boom, I understand, right? We understand. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to your spirit, and boom, you understand, he brings that to your remembrance. He'll, boom, he'll move in, in your life. He'll show you something. And so what he'll do is he'll, he'll bring instruction. Why? He'll speak to your spirit to set your mind right, right? To set, the Bible says when we become, and you receive Jesus as your, as, as your Lord and Savior, you become a new creation. But what, you know what? Your mind didn't get renewed. And this is where some people feel challenged because, oh, man, I love God. I feel right. Your, your, your spirit is regenerated, but your mind, listen, can still believe wrong. Your mind can still have stuff that it needs to overcome. Can I hear a good amen today? And so what he'll do is that he'll speak to you. He'll teach you to set your mind right so you don't have bad thoughts, right? Wrong thinking. You believe wrong things. And that's part of setting your mind right is renewing your mind and the Holy Spirit has helped, comes to help you to get your mind right. Why is it important that your mind be right? Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about you is more important than what God thinks about you. Because I can tell you and sit here all day till I'm blue in the face and tell you how much God loves you. But if you in your mind say he doesn't love you, that's how you're going to live. And so he comes to teach us all 
things. Now, he's gonna help. Here's what he's gonna do as he speaks to you. The Holy Spirit brings instruction. Why? To shape your will. To shape your will. This is so critical for us. God's not gonna force you to change. He will help you to change. Let me say that again. I hear people pray, God, make me. He's not gonna make you. He's gonna shape you if you allow him to. Now, here's what he will do. He will give you the strength to be shaped. Amen. He will give you, he will give you that strength. But some of us are holding on to our own. And when I became a child of God, my church family and friends, listen, I needed my will to be shaped. And let me remind you, you know this, it doesn't matter what people want for you. It matters what you want for you. You ever see that, that TV show? It's called Intervention. It's really hard for me to watch. I don't really want to watch it. But the family gets together because they know grandpa has a drinking problem, right? And they stage this intervention. And you, you kind of know sometimes how it's going to turn out. Grandpa comes in. They tell him how much they love him. People are crying. Snot bubbles coming. I mean, everything is, we love you, grandpa. Grandpa gets up. And what does grandpa do? He looks at all of them. He walks out the door. Because if grandpa wants to get drunk, grandpa is going to get drunk no matter whether you will it for him, other people will it for him. It's what he wills for himself that is going to matter. So here is the question. Will you allow God to shape your will? It's not what someone wills for you. It's what you will for you. Will you allow God to shape you into what he wants you to do? Listen, you can't change what's going on around you until you change what's going on in you. Let me say that again. You can't change what's going on around you until you change what's going on within you. And God will not make you change, he will help you change. And can I just say today as I close, I'm still changing. Nobody's arrived. Just say this with me, say I'm still in process. We're all still in process. I'm still in process. I'm still in process. Pastor Phil, I just want to be led by the Lord. Listen to what you're saying, led, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Listen, he leads me. It doesn't say he forces me. He leads me. And today he wants to lead you. He leads you. The Bible says he leads me. Watch. He doesn't force. And the Bible says he makes me lie down in green. That word make is not God forcing. Do you know that sheep lay down when they're fully fed? When they fully eat, they lie down and they rest. And God is saying to us today, if you'll allow me to lead you, I'll feed you and I'll feed you so you can come to a place in your life of rest. You know, sheeps are paranoid animals, but they can lay down and rest because they know they have a shepherd who is watching over them. And that shepherd today wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit is working in your life today. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.